Welcome back to The Buzz. I'm Brian Earhart, and for this episode, I had the pleasure of speaking to the one and only Lloyd Wema. He's not a touring professional disc golfer like my usual episodes, but his significance to the world of disc golf is definitely worth noting. On top of a pretty lengthy ultimate background and playing disc golf since the 90s, he holds numerous world records in many non-frisbee disciplines, and I felt like his story was one that the world needed to hear more of. This was actually our very first conversation, but I have a feeling it's not going to be our last. I hope you enjoy. I was always like interested in things. Um, so, I mean, my father used to always say you could only do one thing. He used to, he used to always push push that on me. Like you got to choose to do one thing. Uh, like if you want to play a, a sport, you can choose one sport to play. And I was always like, but you know, there's like fall sports, winter sports, spring sports. Father, there's thousands. Exactly. (laughs) I'm like, there's a bunch of stuff you can do. Um, And I always wanted to to do it and sort of sometimes always just prove that, hey, yeah, that can be done. You know, it was kind of maybe a little bit of it is, you know, kids, kids not wanting to listen to their parents, too. Right. Uh, You know, parents tell you no and you're like, whatever. You know, what do you know, mom and dad? Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. I'm like 12. <laughs> I'm 12. I know everything. I am very uh, smart. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I, I was interested in a lot of different things. Of And, you know, to me, it was like, well, yeah, you can do this. Like somebody could go run a track and then also, you know, like play football, like people do multiple sports uh good old you know bo jackson right a lot of people used to like bo jackson back in the day because he played both football and baseball and for some reason that was like a, a, a crazy like oh my gosh how do you play two different sports i'm like because you're an athlete like you <laughs> he works two jobs good. yeah <laughs> uh, like you can go probably be pretty good at at multiple different sports uh so i used to just like to do Lots of things. And sometimes it was out of spite of somebody just saying, uh, you know, that can't be done. And so I was like, well, yeah, I can. So I'm going to actually go do it (laughs) just to be like, let me show you that 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 can be can be done. What was your Um, earliest memory of like what was your earliest memory of something that fascinated you? Like, was it all like universal things fascinated you in general or were you ever fixated on something at a young age? I don't know if I would have been fixated on something, uh, but I mean, I definitely grew up in a very unique time of the like old analog world to the digital world of where there was a lot of different types of technology that did some things that don't even like exist now. Uh, You know, like not a lot of people listen to, tape decks anymore cassette tapes yeah yeah uh, and like vhs like when those things you know those things were like peaking in like the 80s um and even into the the early 90s before like cds came out but like that was a you know the big thing of uh this new you know this new thing 
that's out there that can do all these other things that you know used to have like 10 different devices like right now we're having like a video conference call which would have been extremely hard to do like 20 years ago yeah this uh, was pretty wild <laughs> when you when you really think as, about it. yeah like as a little kid but as a kid that was also becoming new to me so computers were like a new thing of um the nintendo came out you know when, mm-hmm. the, when the nintendo first came out it was like a big it was a big big thing and there weren't like 30 different game systems or a bunch of games um you know, so there's there's something a little bit maybe lost in that but i definitely have just always been interested in in things if it interests me i want to i want to do it uh, especially if it's if it's fun, uh, but I also <laughs> yeah. get, I also get bored. Uh, so, and even as like a kid, like I never really understood like the assembly line sort of work of, you know, just I'm doing the same exact thing mm-hmm. over and over the same routine. And that's never been something I've enjoyed. That's, this is like boring. Uh, really like, mm, I do the same exact thing every day. What'd you do new today? Uh, <laughs> I, I had to stop at the stoplight because it was red today instead of green. Yeah, that really just sucked. You know, <laughs> it just like sucked. The, it's a, yeah, it's like the same thing every day, or that you just uh, the mundane part of life isn't. Uh, it's tough to be <laughs> to to just sort of see even people get stuck there. Uh, like, well, why do you keep doing this? Um, yeah. and most of the time, people don't really have. Have an answer other than like well i have to have a job uh, sometimes yeah. that's usually what you know it comes down to like a, a job but like even when they're not of uh, well why don't you go out and do and do exactly this, uh, of focus uh, did so, you have this same mindset when you were like approaching early adulthood like w- was that something that you were you still believed in when you were like late high school going into you know you know, quote unquote, the college years, like 18 to 21. Oh, for sure. in college, because that's well. So oddly enough, uh, right before I went to college or right around college was when I started playing disc golf. Uh, oh, really? OK. So, yeah. Yeah. Like a lot of people don't know, but they'll bring it up because like your PDGA number means something kind of now. I was going to uh, say that 13,000 is your right. 13,000 something yes. is your PDGA number. Yes. So like people bring that up like, oh, wow, uh, your, your number's old. So that means you were around a while ago, uh-huh. um, which I was. So I started playing uh, with a high school friend. We, I, I don't even really know how we got into the sport. I think, some, <laughs> I think some dude just happened to be playing and like was setting up a course. They were trying to set up a course at like a, the local park and they had set up a temporary one they said we're gonna have like a league here and you should come play and then there's this tournament um that people play it's disc golf is oh i'm like well it's i know how to i can throw something right (laughs) doesn't matter Uh, what it is i can figure it out yeah i lived across the street from a golf course so i'm like uh, (laughs) i know how that's played yeah yeah but that's really expensive. Like I've got to buy clubs and I've got to buy balls and tees and then I've got to pay to go there. And this, you're just telling me I have to get one, you know, I just buy a disc and I can play. 
Yeah, you don't even here? have to tuck your shirt in. Exactly. Well, th- well, I mean, sometimes you have to tuck your shirt in. <laughs> like occasionally. Uh, the, yeah, occasionally. The, the rules. It depends on who you're <laughs> playing with. Uh, but, uh, um, but yeah, so that's how I got started in disc golf. And I, and I wasn't so bad back then. Of, but there were also not as many people um, playing. And when I, when I first joined the PGGA, there were 70 approved discs that you could play in a tournament with. Well, what year was that that you joined? Because your PDGA stats say 2016, but I know you've been playing longer. Yeah, so um, I want to say 97. Uh, for sh- no, it does say I've, I've been a member since 98. Oh, it does uh, say that? So when, yeah, so when I first officially you know, gave the PDGA some money... Um, you know, and became like an actual official PDGA member um, was 98. But I would have been playing a li- like 96 and 97. Okay. You know, but I was a young kid. So like, I was like, I don't, I don't want to pay you any money. What are you going to give me? <laughs> do I get to be, yeah. I can play this tournament without paying like 50 bucks or whatever it <laughs> was at the time, you know, like, you know, to, Back then, that, that seemed like a lot more. Uh, oh, oh, of course. And yeah. to be honest with you, 70 approved discs back then, it still seems like a lot compared to like what I, what I felt like I saw back then. Yeah. Uh, but, oh yeah, like now like 70 discs are like approved like almost every day. It's, now there's like 80, uh, I think 83 manufacturers or something in disc golf now. Yeah, crazy, right? Yeah. So that, that, did not, that did not help me. <laughs> in 2006 so 2016 since, since you brought up the the like yeah the registration of yeah so i played a long time ago in the early 90s but i stopped playing disc golf and started playing ultimate mm, my man yeah in college because uh, i was fast mm-hmm. um, and i could run and and catch the frisbee. I ran track. I ran track in college as well. So short sprinter. Even though I sometimes forced myself to run distance, um, short run after, you know, catch the disc. That just seemed like so much fun, uh, and it it was. And I thought I would be pretty good at ultimate because I played disc golf. Right? Mm-hmm. It's the same thing. Oh it's yeah. A, it's, it's a disc, um, and I was freaking terrible. <laughs> Um, oh no. Oh yeah. Like I couldn't throw a, I couldn't throw like a flick for like the first year. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, I was, I was really good and could always get open. So my team would throw it to me, but then they'd all like just huddle around me. Cause they're like, Oh man, we can't throw the <laughs> forehand more than like, Oh no, feet. you were, you, you know? were that guy on the team. Oh no. Well, I mean, <laughs> it's, it's the, when it came to the forehand, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, I could still throw, throw a backhand or whatever, but you know, it did. You know, ultimate's much, much, much different when it comes to a disc. It, you know, disc golf—you can roll it down the hill, and and that's <laughs> yeah. fine. You've got to keep it, you know, in the air. And there's people running around trying to smack it down. Um, so I stopped playing a lot of disc golf when I went to college and really focused on uh, playing ultimate. Um, and that was the next, like. 20 years really of what i would say is a big sports uh 
what sport I focus the most on. Um, I played in, I think, three Canadian national championships. Really? Uh, I did, yeah. I played with a team called Too Bad out of Toronto. Um, the highest finish we had was ninth, I believe. That's, that's insane. Um, and... Um, I was a reserve player for the Portland Stags, which was Where are you an really? MLU team. Uh, I lived out in Portland. I actually coached uh, Ultimate for Reed College, uh, the women's team out, out there for a couple years uh, when I lived in Portland. Uh, I also taught some phys ed classes for the college. And at that same time, I was playing Ultimate and... Uh, got to be a reserve player, mostly because I couldn't throw, you know, a full field huck. Uh, yeah, I know. Yeah. It was a little difficult for me, but I also had a different view on the game of ultimate in the fact that you don't need to throw, uh, you know, a full field throw. Like the idea is to not turn the disc over. So, you know, you can win the game by throwing just 10 foot passes the whole time. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, throw to the first person you see open. Yeah. Yeah. But nobody likes that. You know, that's not exciting. That's, that's not fun exciting. for college. Ultimate. You want to see, yeah. you know, you want to see the big layouts, you know, which I liked. I mean, I've caught, I don't know how many layout scores in my life. Um, and I loved it. People love watching the layout score. Um, and I was very thankful of all the people who used to, you know, throw them to me because it made me look good. Uh, but at the same time, I'm like, well, you know, I, I had to dive like 10 feet to catch that. <laughs> yeah, that was awful. Was, Why? <laughs> was, it, was it a good, good choice for a throw? <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, so ultimate was was my my go to. Um, you said 20 years. Uh, something like that. I mean, I wow. I, it was a long time. I don't. I don't know. Maybe ten. I don't yeah. even know what year it is now. Like I still feel like I'm in my twenties, man. That's great. Uh, so, so I mean, you played ultimate for a long time. Um, I mean, the, I guess the thing that's actually so surprising to me because tw- twenty years of ultimate, and you know, you had all these articles written about you when you played pro worlds and in, in, I think you maybe had one article. I said all these, so I guess I'm still right, but <laughs> it's a few, I, I've uh, done a few podcasts and stuff, but yeah. surprising how many people do come up to me and are like, I've read this article. I know who you are. At yeah. The well, they wrote down that you did all these extra things, you know, and, and, and the, the fact that 20 years of ultimate or 10 years of ultimate was not mentioned is, is crazy to me because, <laughs> the fact that you were even able to play the game that long is impressive because I, I see so many injuries that, you know, and people, when they even crest 30, that's considered master's age in, yeah. old, you know, <laughs> the, the body breaks down very quickly. But, um, so then, okay. So you, you had this like robust ultimate background and disc golf took a little bit of, you know, a backseat. Was there a catalyst moment for you when it came to, all these extracurricular things you started doing and getting, you know, notable for. Ooh, I, that's a tough question. Um, I I don't think so. Of uh, surprisingly, like I don't always know that there's a lot like going on. 
Like, I really didn't expect a lot of publicity in disc golf. You know, I figured I would bring, you know, the, the some of my friends, people who've never watched disc golf, um, but know me from things outside of the sport, would start watching it um, or, you know, at least following enough to be like, ooh, where did you go play? And, you know, of, of them having that, like, ooh, I know this guy who's, who's playing in the, you know, the, the disc golf yeah. tournament here or something. Um, and I, well, I did really bad. I've been doing really bad. It's not like I'm a complete idiot and mm-hmm. um, don't realize that most of the time I just start having like a tin cup moment out on mm-hmm. the course. Yeah, um, of course. And all of a sudden, all of a sudden I'm like, oh man, where'd these 20 strokes come from? <laughs> oh i i i feel you in that man what the heck uh, <laughs> you know of of just uh like ooh, i got you know i'm doing fine i've got par par and then ah crap triple bogey uh, something. <laughs> it happens uh, man especially with all the out of bounds and everything at those the especially at you know fox run and it's those uh, courses are outrageous yeah so when i came back to disc golf of it was sort of you know i'm i was getting uh, I, I mean i'm getting older despite the fact that i don't want to say it yeah um but i can't take the same sort of beating um that i could uh back in the day of and what it takes to be you know a fast ultimate player or like the work you do have to put in to physically keep up um to a stay lot. at that to stay at that elite level of you know it, it is difficult so it was i mean it's been hard to walk away from that sort of of but at the same time i'm like eh, well you know yeah i did a lot of stuff and you know i'm i'm I've moved on to something else. Uh, if I got to, you know, I got my time to get close to the the highest level of of competition. Um, but yeah, injury sort of led to, you know, disc golf isn't as much of a contact sport. Uh, and even if something, you know, if something does happen, well, I, you know, I should be able to to get my way through it. Mm-hmm. Um, so. I did come back in 2016. Um, I signed back up. And since I had been a professional disc golfer before, um, even though I felt like I was in Tin Cup when uh, he signs back up for the bowling match, and they're like, you owe dues from 1972. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah exactly. Like, that's what I felt like, because it was like, you know, you haven't renewed in like, you know, it was like 17 years or whatever. Ah, welcome back. <laughs> so I'm like, I was like, oh, wow. Like, man, that's that's a long time ago. It feels like yesterday. Um, And so I thought, you know, well, I'll, I'll be fine. I'll get a couple of discs. Sure, you know, I'll bogey a couple of holes here and there. I'm not going to win I'm not going to walk in and win a tournament, but I'll be fine. Um, and I wasn't as fine as I thought because, you know, I didn't have any of my old discs. Uh, I I would say that I also brought some of what I would call ultimate bad habits. Uh-huh. Like people who play ultimate, who come into disc golf, you've got, you've got to break the, 
the ultimate habit um, because it doesn't help you in disc golf. Like you don't There's need no to... disc like an ultra star. <laughs> yeah. In the sport of disc golf. Yeah. Uh, and I mean, you know, I had played some disc golf. It's not like I completely didn't pick up a disc in in 15 years, but you know, when I would play, it would be with the ultimate disc because. Mm-hmm. We'd get a few ultimate players and be like, yeah, let's go play this course of disc golf with, you know, well, none of us have discs. Use our ultimate disc. It'd be fun. Uh, but, you know, those aren't allowed either. Uh, yeah, <laughs> and they're not really good disc golf discs. I think uh, they're actually technically legal, but I don't, I don't quote me on that, but I heard they were technically, but nobody, I don't think ever is going to use one. Yeah, right. If it's yeah. not... Yeah, because you know it's not going to get, it's not really going to get anywhere. Uh, except <laughs> yeah. for, you know, Brody Smith, who's now come over. Uh, yeah. You know, like, yeah, I mean, he can, he, he can do a lot of stuff with a with an ultimate disc. So, um, but I've seen, I mean, now people throwing discs, you know, seven, eight hundred feet, mm-hmm. like nothing. <laughs> I mean, there was a dude who made like a, um, there was a 800 foot hole or something. He eagled it. Uh, at Emporia this oh yeah at Worlds this last year uh I'm like that's that's cool (laughs) (laughs) that's okay yeah yeah that's that's a a par five and you know yeah two people are people are throwing the disc faster than they've ever thrown yeah it's there's a handful of distance throwers that are like separating themselves from the rest of the pack i throw pretty far but there's like another level above if you can throw 500 feet that's like pretty good but now it's like what the heck like if you're not throwing like a 500 foot hyzer like like power hyzer it's like you're falling behind on some holes but indeed uh, and so like coming back like courses are a lot tougher than they mm-hmm. were from back in the day and so then when i'm playing i'm like yeah, yeah yeah, i can make this shot because i'm playing with you know people who who make that shot a lot mm-hmm. uh, and if i can't keep myself to stay within you know my my own game uh which is difficult to do when you're out on the course yeah uh, <laughs> I, I mean when you're at the tournament definitely of of playing with people, uh, one, I mean, one mistake can really hurt you in, in disc golf and especially myself of not being able to throw it 600 feet. <laughs> well, now that I, you know, now that I messed up this drive, well, crap, it's going to take me two more. There's, you know, it's, I might as well have just hucked it right out of bounds like an idiot. Uh, because, now I'm going to have to back play just, just where I've, I've ended up putting myself. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, stepping right back into pro was, was by, I mean, it, it was a big shock even to myself. Um, but I only played like two tournaments in 2016. I saw so that, I yeah. You know, like I didn't practice at all. Like, I mean, I didn't even have any disc. I had like one disc. Um, I had an old Valkyrie, um, and you but, played those tournaments with the two with the one disc. Uh, no, I had like two other discs. Nice. Um, that you know, I'd picked up. I was like, here, I need to have you know, I need to have another disc. Can't just play with one. <laughs> um, but Very yeah, true. like you know, I hadn't even practiced. I mean, that's not like a good thing to be like, ooh, I came. Ooh. I was like, yeah, I'm coming out of retirement, and I haven't you know 
played a bunch, but you know, like the, I'm not doing 10,000 repetitions, but you know, picking up a disc, I'm like, yeah, I can throw a disc and it goes straight. Uh, we're, we're good. Don't, don't get cocky with things. Mm-hmm. Um, which never works because it's like, I can make this shot. Yeah. Uh, I can make this. I got <laughs> is it, this. Is it competition yeah. for you? Is it competition for you that brings you to disc golf or do you, do you love throwing a Frisbee? What, what is it that brings you to anything that you do? Cause you do have a lot of, like you said, a lot of hobbies and things that you push yourself in. What, what yeah. is it for you? Uh, well, I mean, I can talk a little bit about just the disc golf itself of, so it, in coming back, right of um so in 2016 i could have just been happy playing my couple of tournaments you know i actually got a a win because i was the only person i was the only pro there uh so woo yeah uh (laughs) tournament champion right Um, let's go yeah um so i take that career victory any way you can uh yeah get the entry fee back we're all good yeah, Three day yeah right. Uh, woo, yeah. Uh, <laughs> minus fees, uh, yeah, but yeah. yeah, like um, I, I'm, I, I'm sure I gave back what I got there. At least bought, you know, just from the the group. It was a tournament in Michigan that I drove to. Um, but like I got up at like three o'clock in the morning to drive four hours to go to Michigan to play. You know, it was like, oh, what am I doing? Like that's beautiful. I'm, like coming in, like in coming back into disc golf, I'm like, look, uh, I used to be pretty good. I mean, I was a professional back in the '90s. Uh, you know, I know how I've been playing ultimate, so it's not like I'm gonna forget how to throw a disc somewhere. Um, I know what I'm supposed to be doing now. The implementation of that, when the time is needed, uh, has been more of the big, uh, the big failure. But at the same time, there's been a lot more, like there's been a lot of pressure that I never even expected coming in. So, you know, I got sick in 2017, right before Worlds. Uh, So, you know, I had planned on actually practicing a bunch and playing in, you know, a bunch of tournaments prior to going there, you know, actually doing a, a tour for disc golf. Um, because there's a lot of people who are really good at disc golf that do some amazing things and, uh, it deserves to be a sport that, that has us, has an audience. People, people are interested in it, but there's not a lot of coverage Mm -hmm. of the athletes. And it's a very large, I mean, it's a very large sport, but it's something that's easily relatable Uh, of people can come in, which I think the relatable part was where I did get the big backing in disc golf of um, because I started putting up scores that like the average person would get like uh, coming in, you know, at, I had a terrible rating of coming in, but I didn't expect to do as bad as I did. I lived up to my rating um, most of the time. I've slightly gotten better here and there. But I've had people come up to me while I'm out in disc golf of saying, uh, you know, I, I follow you. You've inspired me to do this. Uh, um, people have sent me messages, both Instagram, Facebook, um, as well as out of the tournament. And like, you, you know, even how we kind of ended up talking was, 
you know, you read an article that happened to be, you know, written and you're like, hey, I want to talk to this guy. Um, and I didn't expect as many people to want to talk to me. Mm. So in 2018, when it started to happen, I was like, look, I'm going to do a full, I'm doing a full tour. Like every other professional disc golfer out there. Um, I used to joke um, um, and call it like the Danica Patrick um, approach um, because every race I used to ever watch her like uh, race in, like she wrecked on like the third or fourth turn. Not like it's her fault, but I'm like, you know, she's a professional racer who who like hasn't even completed their like five five last uh, races. So um, I'm at, I'm at least finishing. <laughs> right now so you are better than uh, you know, I'm not you're a better athlete than danica patrick yeah 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 um, That's for sure. you know um although you know if she hears this she's probably gonna be like i'm gonna come out and kick your ass in disc golf i hope she does um, that'd be sick that'd be great you, you know what I, i'd be willing to do it i would i would be willing to 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 take the take the challenge of um i might win but i might lose <laughs> Um, I'm pretty sure she'd take me in a, in a car race though. She uh, might definitely probably with, with true, there. but like, it's not always like, it's not always winning in every sport and especially disc golf. Mm -hmm. uh, and so that's, that's sort of why I wanted to do the big tour in, uh, 2018, 2019 last year, um, um, after, uh, after playing at Worlds, I wanted to go play in a lot of majors leading up to the Worlds before, which I did. Um, I played uh, a couple A-tiers. Um, I went to Vegas to play last year. The tournament in Vegas happened to be the first, you know, major event opening the tour. Um, you know, I wanted to get involved to help bring in more, you know, of sponsorship money. Um, to the professional, more spectators um, that were there because people were following myself out there. Mm -hmm. And the amazing thing about that is the fact that I was on the bottom card and people were following the bottom card. Uh, that's amazing. And, and that's something that... Um, I was I, I told a lot of people when they'd be with me, I'm like, you know, we're people are gonna come up and say something. Like it's gonna happen while we're out here. Um, um and it's a it's a weird publicity, it's a publicity most people don't want, right? Of there's not a lot of people happy to be um on the bottom card because it currently means you're in last. Yeah. Uh, but at that same time, you know, that doesn't mean that everybody there's not you know, professional. And just because you end up last once doesn't, you know, mean that you're not going to win a tournament later or that you don't have a bunch of fans of, you know, there's, and, and if you want to compare disc golf to ball golf, there's a lot of people who are really good golfers who don't, you know, they don't win a lot of tournaments, but you know, they're somewhere in the middle of the pack, but they're still touring, mm -hmm. uh, and I think that's a big thing on the disc golf tour of when I got out there and just started playing with most of the people out there of, you know, I was like here, it was kind of like, here, just take my money. Like, 
like take it. Uh, it's not going to be hard to beat me right now because I'm I'm making it easy for you mm-hmm. um, by by playing uh, two rounds in one here. Um, but there's a lot of people out there that were, you know, trying to play full time disc golf as like an actual professional. Uh, and it's hard to do that just on making money on on disc golf tournaments mm-hmm. right of very hard of there's not a lot of touring pros that don't have what i would say are, are big sponsorship deals of nobody on disc golf has a, a a huge deal um except maybe Macbeth. i don't i don't know if they disclosed his amount um, it was a, a million dollars over four years so i mean yeah it's, right it's oh, pretty big it. But yeah, that's a that's a big that's a big amount. Um, and what's what's keeping the sport from having that all over, mm-hmm. right? Of because there are there are a lot of really good really good players, and sometimes good players find themselves towards the bottom once in a while. Yeah, but if we have a bunch of people interested in you know the entire division. That's that's something. No, uh, I yep, I completely understand that. I, I think I think disc golf. My my quick interjection for that is like when I look at skateboarding and where the, kind of the timeline of skateboarding and how people like you know Nigel Houston are like multimillionaires now, sponsored by Nike, and mm-hmm. and skateboarding is you know as much as it started as a counterculture, it still kind of cemented itself within American culture. In, mm-hmm. in general, it kind of shifted from like, oh, only these punk kids skateboard. And, and then we see Bart Simpson rides a skateboard. Yes. So so it's like that. It's something that everyone sees, you know, and, and I think I think we will get there as more and more people begin to realize that Frisbee is something you can commit yourself to. And mm-hmm. there are there are opportunities to devote your whole life to it. I mean, it's terrifying right now, but I think the more people that, like you said, that put themselves out there and, and paved the way, I mean, Ken Climo had to win seven world championships to get one. And, and I'm pretty sure it was seven. He had to win seven world championships to get his first endorsement deal for a block. And no, and, and Paul McBeth's only won five, you know, and, and, and he's, you know, made so much more money than Ken Climo, but at the same time, it was necessary that that had to happen for everybody else to do it. And I think moving forward, it's the more Frisbee becomes comfortable in American culture and, and, uh, a, you know, humans stop pointing at it and making comments at it as for some reason, not being a legitimate thing. I don't know mm-hmm. how, I, I, I don't understand the concept of what a real sport is. I don't, yeah. they, they all exist. I don't, <laughs> I don't, I don't quite know what they're getting at, but, stuff like that still happens it still happens so, so th- until we get to bart simpson throwing a frisbee on tv and that being his his object i we'll, we'll get there but it's going to take some time um, it, it, it is gonna it, it is gonna take some time but at the same same point it doesn't always need to take as long mm-hmm. right uh, and and i mean it's an unfortunate time right now right there's a lot going on like there's not even tournaments happening uh and i've seen some people who've had to put their tours off right the, the tours canceled uh well what do they do now because that was exactly. that was what they were doing or can they 
can they replan um, around it? Of um, you know, so it, an interesting time right now. Um, but at the same point in time, a lot of the you know going to a lot of tournaments last year of doing you know doing what I said was my pro you know my pro tour, of which included multiple different states, C tier, A tiers, Plex tournaments. You know, a, a, a tournament that. You know, it is a pro tournament. I get that it's a smaller one, but sometimes there's tournaments that only have a couple of people, um, and they don't want to move up sort of to that that pro division um, because one, there's not that many there's not that many people there, right? Or they're kind of afraid to move up to that point because, well whatever right that follows that of whatever is stopping them from from making that decision um and it it shouldn't be something that stops it shouldn't be something that stops people uh, we don't necessarily i don't know it's tough right uh, this it's a tough it's a tough sport because there are so many people. I mean, thousands, when you think about it now, right? PDGA, hundreds of thousands of people. Yeah, yeah uh, we're getting how there. How many people, people do play in a tournament? What tournaments, you know, sell out? Mm-hmm. Of, it's, a, it's a different sport than most that a lot of people can play. Yeah. Of, but like you said, of getting that, that more of in the home of more people knowing about it. Uh, you know, so, I mean, I guess we can semi-talk about something called the Lloyd Wema rule um, that <laughs> got tossed out. Uh, and, you know, nobody ever, like, I, I haven't really heard anything from anybody on, like, the PDGA committee about anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, you know, I wasn't at the, the summit where they, they put in um, the, the minimum rating rule. Um, I did happen to find something on Reddit like a week ago that was going on from Worlds that I had no idea from like last year. It's like 50 comments. Uh, really? 50 pages of comments of people talking back and forth about it. I Whoa. actually spent the time to read through it because... Um, you know, if somebody sends me a message, I'm I'm willing to to read through it. And there's a couple of people that mentioned something about like wanting a T-shirt or like a Lloyd disc. Um, and I'm going to work on making sure they get one of those. Oh, definitely. Um, I would. Yeah, that's definitely a good <laughs> idea. I think you've done. I think you've done some things, and I actually don't know how I feel about them naming the rule. Did they actually name it after you, or was that like an article that they wrote? Well, I I think there's a little bit of of. It's not like it's an official PDGA okay. rule book. <laughs> like, I don't open the rule book. Okay. Um, you know, it's it's it's. I'm certain it's not going to read in the rule book. Uh, Lloyd Wema rule. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, I I understand why it was was brought up. Right. Uh, I had a terrible rating um, going in, but at the same time. When reading through a lot of the comments of people saying, like, well, this takes out, like, four people who had played in, like, any of, like, all of the, like, 
major events. Yeah, exactly. So it was like, <laughs> well, was this really something like in 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 hearing some of it about? I was like, well, it does kind of sound like a, a just a personal attack. Like, like we don't like this guy specifically, and this is how we can get rid of him because he's been playing terrible um, right now. So. Um, now what happened, uh, one thing that did happen, um, is I actually did beat a guy this year at worlds, um, on like the third day, um, he finished like 60 strokes over, um, but you won't find him anywhere on the scoreboard anymore. Like they completely kicked that dude like out of the really, um, I mean, he had broken some other rules um, uh, throughout and was on, like, some sort of, like, probation going in to, <laughs> ah. uh, like, our round that we played. Um, but at the same time, like, a lot of people say, you know, oh, I'm holding everybody up when I get out and play. And uh, I don't nearly take as long as... I would say probably 90% of disc golfers. Mm -hmm. um, despite the fact that I might throw a, a five on something you got a three on, um, I move pretty quickly. But, you know, I'm sure I got a little bit of the, well, that we ran into a hold up here and you were, you know, the card in front of us. Yeah, they're just pointing the finger but, at somebody. Um, I mean, I had said before, like, one day I'm going to beat somebody and I'm going to feel kind of bad for that person because they're like going to be the, you know, the person, uh, nobody wants to be the person that Lloyd beats cause he's been playing terrible. Um, but, <laughs> but like, you, it's weird that like now this guy's like completely not even in the record books anywhere. No, like even DNF or in his score for that day, they completely took out. Huh. Um, if, but if you were watching U disc, like the live updates, you would see it, which I'm sure there were a bunch of people, a bunch, like like three people were probably watching me really on U-Disc. Um, but um, they, uh, you would have seen some stuff in there. So it was kind of funny, like, well, it did actually beat this guy. Um, and then he, like, got, like, kicked off, like, the tour or something completely. Um, what? So, I, I mean, I don't know what sort of stuff happened to him. Um, yeah, but like, um, again, you know, he was like a 970 rated player. Uh, so it was, you know, when people start talking about, well, you know, if you're 950 or above, you're you're a professional. Uh, and mm -hmm. it's like, well, there's a lot of other stuff to a professional, um, mm -hmm. and um, how you do act like out on the course of how do you interact with the people coming in of. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I didn't really want to sort of be the happy Gilmore of disc golf. It sort of just ended up falling into my lap of, you know, people excited when I am at a tournament. Uh, and there's people who are not excited when I'm there. Uh, you know, like, uh, like, oh, no, we've got this guy. He's only here for, for PR stuff. Uh, He's like, only but, here for PR stuff. Okay. Yeah, like I've, I've, <laughs> if if I'm here for the, the 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 PR, it's because I want more for for disc golf itself. Of uh, you know, yeah. and that interaction, I think one of the reasons why a lot of people did start to follow is because you know when I'm out there on the course, of 
I do have people coming up to me. I'm giving away a mini disc to, you know, a random person who's who's waiting there at the hole and mm-hmm. is, is, you know, like, ooh, I came to watch this. Or uh, I have signed, you know, I have signed discs for people um, who are like, ooh, can I, can you sign this for me? Dude, sure. Uh, That's awesome. Um, That's so awesome. And I've even sent stuff to like people um, that I've never even met that like contact me through like Instagram. There was a guy in Canada that I sent him a, a disc who had been following me um, and had commented something like, ooh, I wish I could get one of those um, when I posted a photo of, of some of the minis I was giving out. And so like I contacted him. I was like, if you give me an address, dude, I'll, I'll send you some. That's like, awesome. Uh, I mean, if you're excited about having you know some of some of my my gear um i'm i'm gonna do that to you it's a and really I know cool feeling kind of where that stems from a little bit of when i was in college the first like real tv show i was on i do a lot of acting stuff which you know you googled you probably found out i was gonna get to you about that for sure <laughs> but i was on the drew carey show i saw that <laughs> and um i got to hang out with with drew um just standing next to him for like 15 minutes and we just sat and talked of normal like cool dude to hang out with of and a bunch of people had come up and uh were wanting his autograph uh, and there was like there was a guy who came up he was right behind me he's holding up like his like this 10 year old kid in the air and is like i've got you know i've got a kid here she wants your autograph and He's like, look, anybody who wants my autograph, he's like, I'm not going to leave until you get it. Uh, and and that was something that that's, has stuck with me wow. of any time I've gotten any sort of of celebrity uh, response from from individuals of them being like, oh, you're you know, you're my you're my hero. I'm so excited to meet you. Uh, oh, dude, can I get your autograph? Uh, yes. Um <laughs> Because there's also a contrast to that Drew Carey. And that's the first time I met Evander Holyfield. Um, it, was at, it was also in college around the same time. And probably, it was actually probably a few weeks before I was on the Drew Carey show. Um, How uh, did this happen? Well, I was running track. And our track team had traveled to Atlanta to run in the conference championships. And we were flying back uh, to school afterwards and he had been uh he was he was there at the airport evander holyfield was at the airport uh flying and there was a girl on our team um and she was like can you get his autograph because he had gone past the security checkpoint she hadn't gotten finished checked in you know and i was like i'm about to walk through that part and i'm like yeah yeah i'll ask him for your autograph you really want it don't worry and so like he's chatting with somebody and i wait uh, until he stops talking to somebody and uh i'm like hey uh you know a friend of mine she she would like your autograph can i get your autograph he's like oh man i don't have any time uh <laughs> he's like then, waiting in line yeah yeah and then we like get on like the like metro like rail um and like we ride that to like the next thing and like i sit down like right next to him and like i'm just like sitting there looking at him like you <laughs> You didn't have any time, uh, and this was like like a week after like Tyson had bit bit his ear off, uh, 
Whoa. And the, the mat, that's when it was. Cause like I was sitting there looking at him like, and like, I'm thinking in my head, like, of like what, like, you know, somebody who meets like their like hero, like if that's what, what was said to them, like, Oh, I don't have any time. And then like, mm-hmm. you, like I'm sitting next to you, man. Like, <laughs> yeah. Um, and so I was like, Oh man. A, a like dark part of me wanted to be like, man, I wish I could say something about just snap I at him. Getting you. Like, oh, like, yeah. <laughs> you know, come on, punch me in the face. So I could be <laughs> like, I was that dude. I was that dude that Holyfield punched in the face <laughs> at the airport. Right. That would have been great. But, you know, I, I mean, I'm not the type of person to say it, but that stuck with me. Right. Of Because I sat, I mean, I sat with him for five minutes and that was pre-cell phone days so you couldn't do anything but just you know sit there and look at you know the floor or whatever on the subway or maybe the person next to you um you know but we couldn't hide in in smartphones back in the late 90s yeah. um but so that's always stuck Th- those two things have stuck with me of how to react when when somebody comes up to me of that like you know there's more to being a professional athlete than always your performance on the field Mm -hmm. Uh, and especially how you interact with with fans because if it wasn't for fans Mm -hmm. a professional sport wouldn't really exist exactly Uh, that's where the money comes from yeah yeah um you know so it, it was really tough um after worlds this past year um I thought I was going to do a lot better, you know, I mean, yeah, yeah, I did beat a guy. Um, but, um, going in, I thought I was going to do a lot better. I played the course the day before, you know, a practice Northwoods. Yeah. And I shot 20 strokes better, uh, than what I did the first round of the tournament, like, and not having seen the course of being like, you know, I'm playing conservative, mm-hmm. just trying to get a feel for what is this course? Uh, I'm like, oh, I'm gonna be fine tomorrow. Like, I'm not, you know, I'm not going in. I'm not winning. I'm, uh, you know, I'm not gonna ace every hole. Uh, <laughs> of course, out there. But you know, of something more of finishing. You know, I expected to finish. You know, the not 40 strokes over for the day, but mm-hmm. somewhere around, you know, 12, 13 um, over. Course is so hard. Yeah, I mean, it's a tough <laughs> course. Um, and it didn't turn out that way for me. Yeah. Um, and the the you know the the lake monster there uh, took quite a few of my discs, mm-hmm. um, which you know once you lose like your trusty disc, <laughs> now what are yeah. you do? That uh, that course wrecked me for the rest of the season. It took like three of my go-to discs yeah. that I yeah had been beating in all season. I I feel you there. I definitely. Definitely feel you there. Um, so moving into that, you talk about this like celebrity, like this weird celebrity status that you found yourself in in the disc golf world. But then also, I want to hear actually, now that you talk about like how you really appreciate that kind of, you know, uh, positive feedback from people, what do, what did the fitness world do when you when you broke that burpees world record? For those of you who who don't know this, um, one of the reasons I was so fascinated with Lloyd was because um, he set the world record for what is it most burpees done in seventy two hours? Is that correct? 
Um, it that is correct. Uh, that's the like chest to ground jump overhead clap. Uh, yeah. Burpee. And how many did you do? Um, for the seventy-two hours, I did nine thousand four hundred and eighty. <laughs> that's so awesome. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, so and then you you went on this like burpee, th- this like burpee trailblazing journey. It it looked like, and you set like how many records did you set with the burpee? Uh, there's there's a lot. I mean, it depends on which record book you go with. Um, uh, but what is that? Uh, so there's a couple of different like world records uh, holder like books. So there's like you know Guinness World Records. Uh, and there's Record Setter, which is like the U.S. sort of record keeper. There's Unique World Records, which is based out of India. Um, there's another one, I can't think of the name, like that's run out of Australia. Um, but like Guinness isn't like the only like world record sort of keepers. Like, and Guinness mm-hmm. themselves has like a, a specific number of records that they keep and they don't tell you what that number is but let's say it's like a hundred thousand different types of world records um and they're i think kind of changing that a little bit now that there's other like record books out there Mm -hmm. um but uh so they don't always um give a official guinness world record for for a specific thing and then they also have their own um rules so anytime somebody does a burpee world record for guinness of uh, my social media everything blows up on my end of people are like oh you see this um i'm like yeah i hear about it of course <laughs> um and then the worst part about that is people just get like ripped apart um online because they're people are like oh they're not doing a burpee uh, you know but they're it's because they're following the guinness standard i see um so there are a few different um type of records but yeah i've done a lot of burpees um and you mentioned the fitness world of i did a lot of stuff with crossfit uh so i was really big in the crossfit community and world um 2009 i think it was um i complete competed in the crossfit sectionals at the arnold classic um, in columbus ohio uh, so, um, I finished, I think 150th there. Um, but so overall I was one of the 3000 fittest people in the world at the time, but that's when that's there were awesome. only 3000 people competing in CrossFit and then it, it boomed. Right. So mm-hmm. like it went from like 3000 people competing to 25 and then the CrossFit open online to 200,000 people, um, but during that time, I, I was doing a lot of stuff with CrossFit. I was a CrossFit trainer. Um, so I helped people a lot with their fitness. I did a lot of burpees. Um, and one of the things I did was I did a challenge of um, getting a thousand different people to do a burpee with me. So one or two people, no more than one or two people at a time. Uh, when I was going to be a judge at the CrossFit Games, I think it was like 2014, maybe 15. Um, and I had 10 days to do it. So it was from the first day, the day I was going to be leaving uh, Portland 
flying to California, volunteering for the CrossFit Games for 10 days there, the whole competition to the end. Could I get a thousand different people to do a burpee with me? Was this a marketing stunt that you were doing for like the, the event or did you just think it was fun? Like what was your, well, what was your it meaning was more of it? a Well, it started out more as a fun thing of can it be done? Um, and then I want to say it turned into a little more marketing thing because a bunch of people wanted to do it. Um, so... Like on the ugh, like Friday and Saturday of the CrossFit of the CrossFit Games, um, I would I was one of the judges, so we had to be there at like six a.m. in the morning, and we worked the whole time till about four or five uh, in the afternoon. We had some breaks in between, but we were judging the events. So when we had a break, I would go and try to get some people to do some burpees with me, or before and after the main events. I'd be out there. So there is a video of the thousand people doing a burpee with me. It's like an hour and 15 minutes long. <laughs> um, it's on YouTube. But uh, for people in like the CrossFit community, uh, there's, you know, future athletes. There's there's like people who would, you know, eventually be if they have a Hall of Fame, Hall of Fame athletes of celebrities from outside of of that sporting world doing it, of people behind the scenes. Um, people were like knocking on my hotel room. I, I was doing burpees in the hallway <laughs> when I was out at the restaurant. Um, and so that's how I got into sort of being called the Lloyd of the Burpee after that was uh, a bunch of people were like, hey, this is like a world record. Uh, and I found that I was pretty decent at burpees. And because I had done a lot of them, mm -hmm. um, I'd watched a lot and I've, I had an opportunity to observe uh, how people did a lot of stuff. So I learned a good technique, proper technique and movement um, on it, just really sort of from, from repetition. Um, but that was also a big time in my life of like, of fitness for people, of like coming across people and them being like, oh, I couldn't do that. Of one of the worst things I ever heard when, because um, I didn't just do that like thousand burpee, I continued to do that across like the country and world, mm -hmm. um, which sometimes people would come up to me, you know. So that's that's sometimes a celebrity life of hey, yeah, Lloyd Rima. And so a lot of times I'm like, I am, how do you know me? Yeah, uh, <laughs> which thing, which it, thing do you know me from? Uh, because, uh, you know, I might be like, yeah, I've got the burpee world record. And they're like, what's a burpee? Uh, or if I mentioned disc golf, and they're like, what? What's no. disc? <laughs> what is, is that? What's that have to do with, you know, of, of this thing? Or I saw you in this, you know, I saw you in this movie once. Uh, so it it's, it's an interesting... It's an interesting thing to to have people come up to you and and not want to you know to sort of be like their their voice yeah. of when I go out and in fitness when I heard somebody when it was with the burpees when I heard somebody say something like oh I can't do one because I wouldn't be able to get up off the ground and that used to get to me because I'm like, if you fell to the ground right now, you'd just 
you die there because you wouldn't be able to get up. But that's like a mentality a lot of people have, right? That, yeah. oh, I couldn't, I can't do that. Same with the Frisbee. Same thing with the Frisbee. Right? A lot of people will say mm-hmm. that about the sport. Oh, I can't go, I can't play this sport. I, I stink. Can't do this yeah. sport. Of, but yes, sure. you can. You're gonna, you're gonna, any sport you go do the very first time, you're gonna be bad at because you've never played it before, right? Is that you have to learn curve. Nobody like plays the sport the very first time as like, hey, I'm the best in the world at this. Yeah, it doesn't even matter what activity it is or anything yeah. in this world. Like, that's just yeah. a, like, <laughs> I teach in my I teach in my clinics, you know, or lessons. Like, what what is the thing that we've been training ourselves to do our whole lives? Walking. Were we good at walking when we were yeah. infants? No. <laughs> we kept doing it, and look what happened. You know, now and now we can walk without thinking about it. It's the same. I mean, it's the same thing. But I, I I'm just, I'm blown away that like, just the the ambition to, okay, you're good at burpees, but like, what what's the mindset? What is your why behind all these things? Just, is it <laughs> is it literally just fun? Is it is it just seeking fun? Like, is that your formula for happiness, or is is it a lot simpler than that? I don't know if it would be seeking fun. I mean, I know I'm crazy, but well, I mean, three days of burpees authentic. is not not fun. <laughs> no, 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 no. Uh, you know, uh, there's you know, there's a lot a lot that goes into it, but it is the you know, it's the experience of of doing it of mm-hmm. and. And sometimes making it it through, I would like to, I mean, I would like to be doing a lot better than I am. Mm-hmm. Of, and that, you know, that doesn't help my, my disc golf game, right? Of I, it's not that I don't know how to play and mm-hmm. I don't have a lot of the skills. If I'm not going to be the, the six, 700 foot, uh, you know, drive, uh, that's maybe I could get there mm-hmm. if that's, you know, the only thing I worked on, but unlikely, mm-hmm. um, that's not, that's never going to be a strength for me. The strength for me is going to be a much shorter game. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I let that, you know, that pressure get to me like a, a normal professional athlete does. And there's a reason why they call a timeout on the kicker, right? It's called icing him. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, make him think about, make him think about doing this. <laughs> Maybe kicks fifty-yard field goals all day long. It's like, da, da, da. like, is he thinking? Ooh, I'm gonna miss this. I'm gonna miss this. Hopefully yeah. not, because if that's what he's thinking, that's what he's gonna do. And yeah. unfortunately, that's you know that's where I've been. Like, and and some of my what I would call disc golf friends of people mm-hmm. on tour that you know I'm excited when I'm I'm hanging out with them or like, oh man, I'm glad that you know I'm glad I'm on a card with this person because they're. You know, they're cool, and we're both going to be, you know, encouraging to people, like, you know, like, mm, tough shot, you know, like, get the next one, or, you know, a good shot on that one, which isn't something you you would really think you would be saying in disc golf, right? Of In a sport, you, you really don't want your opponent making their shot. Like, the whole time, you really should kind of be like, you... You need to miss this. <laughs> like, I mean, well, of, like, of course, yay, like if you're playing you for thousands of dollars, but yeah. but it's it's such an inspiring game because everybody plays it so individually. There's so many different styles, and and to me, it, I, I go back to skateboarding every time 
because skateboarding w- was founded on innovation and someone would figure something out, show it to other people. They would try to learn it and then they'd make variants on that trick. And then that, that's just how, you know, the sport progressed and it's beautiful. And I think it's yeah. the same thing with Frisbee. It's, it, that's, that's the reason you have Kevin Jones playing on like the third, third card of a tournament, still jumping up and down when somebody throws a good shot, because it's just mm-hmm. simply a beautiful thing to watch once you really learn to appreciate it. I think so. That that makes sense to me. That definitely does make sense. Yeah. Um, so, like, uh, I mean, I thought a lot about. I mean, I thought a lot about just walking away from disc golf, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, being like, well, if you guys kind of don't want me, why do I want to be here? Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I could be doing anything else. I don't have to. You know, I don't have to try to get people interested um, in this, but I want. I do want people to, mm-hmm. uh, because, you know, there's, there's benefits of it as an activity mm-hmm. of, it is a game that is not, it's simplistic in nature. Right? Uh, you have a disc and you need to throw it into that basket. Mm-hmm. Right. That, that's the simple, simple game of uh, burpees were simple. For me as well, right? You get down to the ground, you get back up. Uh, now, how are people going to do um, everything in between there? Is that's an interesting thing. Yeah. Uh, and when you have thousands of people in disc golf, um, people are going to try different things. And you're going to see stuff sometimes. If everybody keeps doing the same exact thing, yeah, the this, this sport isn't going to grow. But... You know, I mean, we we mentioned him earlier, Brody Smith. Of I saw something where um, it was posted like trick shot at you know the tournament, and everybody was like, "That yeah, he just threw an upside down throw." Mm-hmm. Like that's not a trick shot, but like because a lot of people don't throw it that way. I throw yeah. a lot of like hammers because that's mm-hmm. it was my best throw from ultimate, so I feel very comfortable. And something that I actually have probably the best accuracy with would would be that, which is strange, but it's uh, cool. Yeah, and it also looks cool, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, for people watching, and like, <laughs> Definitely. wow, look at that! He just he just threw that. Like, I'd be I'd love to be able to throw a summer. Like when I meet people who can throw a summer, and I'm like, oh man, that's <laughs> like I I don't know. I can throw the disc like two feet. I can't even like get the like grip that i need mm. to the disc just doesn't it just doesn't feel right um <laughs> but i mean so 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 i i guess moving to burpees you say burpees are simple but then i i looked into your records setter page and i saw that you set a record and you lit yourself on fire and did burpees Talk to me about yeah. that idea. Where where did that come from? <laughs> the fire burpees. Um, uh, I don't. I don't know. Maybe uh, I've got a little bit of a pyro in me. Uh, <laughs> did you have a game plan for that at all, or did you just um, for the I moment? Do, yes. So so I've done. Uh, I mean, I have set myself on fire a few times um, on purpose, um, as everyone has. Yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> uh, it's the accidents you you want to worry about, uh, but 
Um, it was. So a long time ago, I learned how to do like a cool, like little magic trick where I can, you know, hold a, a flaming ball um, in my hand and everybody thinks it's really awesome. But, you know, it's really just science. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, as long as I just hold it, um, I'm not actually going to going to burn myself, um, you know, based on the chemicals and everything utilized. Yay, learning something in school. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but um, in trying to do like, hey, what would be a cool thing? Because sometimes, sometimes people, ex- I guess, expect me to do like a crazy thing. Um, so there's maybe an underlying, you got to give, you know, you got to give the fans what they want. Mm-hmm. Right? Uh, or, or they stop being, being fans. But um, another, like, I can do that. Um, I haven't seen many people uh, do burpees while on fire, so why not? <laughs> uh, the perfect excuse for it. Indeed. Um, and so another thing um, I do, I do a lot of air guitar. Um, I was just about to ask you about that. You uh, read my yeah. mind. Talk to me uh, about air guitar. I've been studying it <clears throat> since since hearing that you've been doing it. So, yeah, please talk to me about that. All right. Awesome. The people in air guitar are going to be so excited. Um, and I'll tell them that I talked about it and they'll awesome. all want to listen to this podcast because <laughs> uh, they've got nothing to do right now. Because the air guitar season has been postponed um, in the U.S. right now. Um, normally, uh, oddly enough, air guitar is a sport. Uh, there's a world championships that's held in Finland every year. This year is supposed to be the 25th uh, annual world championships in Finland. Uh, the U.S. has been uh, holding competitions and sending... Uh, a U.S. champion there to compete since t- uh, 2004, I think, uh, maybe 2003. Um, first U.S. champion was a guy named C. Diddy. There's a documentary about it called Air Nation. Um, I believe it's even on Amazon. So sweet. You know, while people are stuck at home, like they can watch it. But it follows uh, a few people in air guitar. Uh, there is a guy. Um, in there called Bjorn uh, to rock um, and to inner loop when you brought up the Simpsons uh, earlier um, Homer Simpson calls out Bjorn to rock um, in an episode really um, it, yeah it aired back in like December um, and I did a video where I actually play a human version of Homer Simpson um calling out Bjorn to rock I did for uh Thailand air guitar um a couple months ago uh so um my air guitar persona though is kind of like a, a com- it's a completely different person uh really um, yeah it's a guy named Stonehenge um people confuse Stonehenge and Lloyd often but despite that it's me. It's not really me. Uh, it's how a long character. How long does it take to get into Stonehenge? Uh, it doesn't usually take very long to get into Stonehenge, but sometimes it can be difficult to to come back out. Okay. <laughs> uh, um, but 
so I started air guitar. I saw the first time when I was in Cleveland, happened to be walking by, uh, and they happened to have the competition at this bar. Uh, and I was like, oh man, I wish I would have known about this earlier. Like I'm just wearing khaki shorts and a t-shirt right now. I, I have a costume I can dress up and I can rock, I can rock a stage and look like I'm playing a guitar. Uh, but, um, I didn't get involved, uh, you know, involved in, I happened to be there and it was like, eh, air guitar, cool thing. Um, and then it went off the radar. And a couple of years ago, I was like, hmm, I wonder if this is still a thing. Uh, and so I looked it back up and I'm like, oh, they're still having competitions. <coughs> I'm going to go do this. Uh, I get an air guitar. Uh, so uh, my first competition as Stonehenge was in Chicago. It was the semifinals. Um, I did okay. Um, I don't really remember where how I, I placed, um, but I definitely learned that it's not as easy as just walking in and, and winning, uh, that it is kind of a unique sport. It's, it's definitely a huge sport. And I, I guess I'm curious. I watched, I watched a decent amount of video, um, on air guitar and what <laughs> to you. So the thing that I was shocked about is playing the song note for note is only a very small, like it's not a huge portion of the scoring is it's more just the perf like what, what separates like a really, really, really good, like champion air guitar player from someone who like, like you who entered your first tournament. What is uh, it? Well, um, now I also am a champion air guitarist. Uh, so just because, Oh really? I, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I was the 2018 Houston champion. Oh, that's sick. Um, uh, yeah. Yeah. So air guitar, um, I, I don't, um, oddly enough, I don't completely suck, uh, at air guitar. Uh, Oh no, I was but, just asking like what, yeah, what is the difference between like a beginner, someone who you see at events? And then I, I actually did see that you were a Houston air guitar champion. I guess what separates you Houston air guitar champion from like a world air guitar champion <laughs> is, is there that much of a, a difference in, uh, in uh, performance? What is it? Uh, they're well, you have to you have to appease the the uh, panel of five people judging you at the time. Um, so, uh, air guitar is I like to say it's it's more of like a performance art. Uh, so, I, a lot more like theater. Of a little bit of combination of theater. Some people say comedy if you want to put comedy into it. Of sports. Um, People have uh, some girl like amputated her toe on on stage once. Um, that's like I'm all the, about that. Okay, yeah, right. Uh, so like okay, she was like, she was like jumping off a chair or something. It was like a folding chair and it like folded, um, and she kept playing. Um, I was not at that performance, but it's a it's like a crazy air guitar story of like people. Um, you don't know what you're gonna get at an air guitar competition. That's why you want to go. Uh, um, because people can do whatever they want. Okay. That makes so much more sense to me because the initial, yeah. I think the initial thought that a lot of people have of air guitar is like, how accurate can you be to the song that you're playing? But it's way, it's way more artistic yeah. than that. Well, 
So you are graded on three things. Uh, the, the, I'll give you the scoring scale of how air guitar works. Thank you. Um, it is a 4.0 to a 6.0 scale. Much like, like figure skating. Exactly. Figure skating. That's the, the old figure skating days um, of the Olympics. That's how you used to be scored. Um, and so there's three criteria. There is your uh, technical merit, which is does it look like you are playing the notes when mm, they are okay. playing? Uh, now, some people have a small interpretation of that. Does it look like you are playing the you know, actual note on an on you know a guitar are you yeah. playing the c note on the guitar when it's the c note of again it depends on the judge you get of how crazy <laughs> they'll get into you know that part of the technical merit but are you playing notes when notes are supposed to be playing mm -hmm. um then your stage presence of how do you command the stage and the audience do you you know do you get a reaction from the audience? Do you move around the stage, or you know, do you just do you just stand there like a regular guitar player um, playing the guitar and not moving anywhere? Uh, you know, so how much do you command the stage? Uh, and then the final uh, category is airness, uh, which everybody always has a hard time explaining, and a lot of people always say you know it. When you see it, uh, airness as in like greatness, like you, you're witnessing well, like like a truly you, unique performance. Yeah, let's say it's when you transcend uh, into a an art form that people no longer are seeing you not play a guitar, but they think you are actually playing that. I completely understand. Right yeah. Uh, uh, okay. That's. It's very cool that there that <laughs> there's that abstract of a of a category and and because I thought I <laughs> to be honest I th I thought like man some of these air guitar judges must have a ridiculous knowledge of like sheet music to, to be able to like because i thought it was technical merit was the entire competition but hey the, I, the performance art is way up my alley um uh, but so like another thing like crossfit and then there's uh you know there's air guitar and there's disc golf and there's you know uh you've produced some uh movies or shows you've acted in a bunch of things um what is your what is your actual day job like like where does your income come from do you have one day job um well well currently right now i would say no uh mm. like the rest like the rest of the yeah. world uh, nobody's allowed to go anywhere um but um what i would say uh, my last so my last sort of job job uh was uh doing some independent contract work with uh disaster relief oh, so okay a uh, when a tornado or something would come through, uh, I would uh, respond uh, to those uh, disaster areas. Um, and so there was some, you know, I talked a little bit about that, I think, in uh, that first. Well, maybe I didn't talk about it in the article, but um, it was like very brief. And I wasn't sure if that was like, you know, something you've done your whole life or something you did like one time. They did. It wasn't that clear when they when they mentioned it. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, a lot of times people have like uh, a limitation 
so when people sometimes ask me, like, well, will you answer this question? I'm like, sure, but it's going to take a long time to yeah. give you the answer um, if you want to know everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, so sometimes I'll just give like a short yes or no question just mm-hmm. to like move on a lot of the times. Because I'm like, uh, I could give you the answer, but it takes like 45 minutes. Whoa, uh, 45 to, minutes? To- <laughs> Man, I wish I budgeted time for this. That, that, yeah, that right. That's some meaty content. Um, maybe in part two. We'll have a part two yeah. and we'll dive into that. But so, I mean, you just, you're, you're, it's so interesting that you're spe- just speaking like, yeah, I went here and I flew here and I did this and I flew there and I did that. And like, so you've, have you had like a, like one set career or are you a, a human that just really likes having multiple careers like is that a a bad read or um i would well maybe multiple careers you could say uh i mean run down uh, what i was i was a medic in the army um i worked at uh, the cleveland health museum so i used to be a teacher i taught there i um i told you earlier i taught at reed college mm-hmm. um you know doing a uh, disaster work. Uh, um, when I was younger, I worked at a gas station. That was probably my favorite job in the world. Really? Um, uh, it was, I mean, the movie Clerks was like uh, every other day of my life up there. <laughs> uh, um, you know, it, it was a, it was a fun job um, because of its location. Uh, that was right on the freeway. So I just got to meet so many people of, mm-hmm. uh, in and out of traveling, um, you know, there'd be uh, celebrities would come through there. Normal, you know, people who live just down the street uh, would come in. It would be an interesting. It was an inter- interesting interaction. Uh, I like, I like people, um, and people are all different, uh, and. I'd like to say that I'm more accepting of differences than I would say most most people are. Uh, a lot of times in our world, we like to you know to uh, single somebody out of for for whatever reason, right? Of, I've been sometimes I would say I've you know I'm on the the receiving and I'm I'm sure I've been on the 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 giving end of for whatever reason it may be, just human nature. Um, but um, being more in, being more inclusive of has led me to to learn a lot about a lot more people. Uh, as you mentioned, where I'm like, yeah, I did this, yeah, I did this. Uh, I get, I did. Uh, you know, was it something amazing? Yes, no. I I don't know. Somebody else did it. Uh, mm. But I mean, I I would be lying if uh, you know I I wasn't also like once in a while like, well, would, yeah, I did that. Like, why is that news? Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> I did that a long time ago. Or you know, like, oh yes, yeah, so, ooh, you did ten burpees. Uh, like, yeah, well, I did like ten thousand. Um, yeah, you know. But at the same time, like when somebody's like, oh man, I don't know if I could do like. Oh, like I'm tired after like four or five, and I'm like, mm-hmm. yeah, me too. Sometimes, like 
I understand, you know, I understand that, that, that struggle, like, um, and, you know, maybe, uh, maybe I think that another reason I, I enjoy the, the disc golf is the, like, people who have come up and are, like, kind of, like, still believers, right, mm-hmm. of the, I know you're gonna, you're gonna get it. Like <laughs> it's gonna click back to you, um, and you'll be you'll be fine out there. Um, and sometimes it's just the fact that I am pushing through it, right? If I'm not somebody who likes to to stop, you know, until I I guess you could say like the game's won. I mean, it's weird because I've moved through a lot of different what some people would say maybe careers or different jobs or I might you know I oh yeah I played the sport for two years and now I'm not going to go back to it uh no big deal mm-hmm. um you know maybe it just doesn't interest me yeah the same uh way that that it did but there are you know just the 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 individuals who I have inspired uh, that want to go do something, they're the ones that matter more than the people who don't. Uh, I've I've been one to try to just push off, you know, the the negative when it comes in. Uh, but probably like every other person in the world, it's extremely hard to do. Yeah. Um, and I can say, you know, uh, you know, haters gonna hate, right? Yeah. Uh, uh, brush your shoulder off and, and keep moving but the fact that sometimes that's you know that's that's still there of that's that's what you're hearing but you need to remember the like yeah sure that that person doesn't care but they don't matter the person that matters is you know like the the 12 year old kid who comes up to you and is like Ooh, I'm, you know i'm gonna go play now because i saw you play of uh, or who you know, you just happen to be, you know, they just happen to see you outside. Uh, um, that happened at, actually, um, that happened at Worlds. Um, I was trying to get some video of it because it was pretty cool. Uh, the, Mr. Double G, Garrett Guthrie. Mm-hmm. Um, I was right behind him and uh, some kids came out uh, that were staying across the street. And we're running up with um, a frisbee. Some some people had given them uh, earlier, and was like, "Oh man, we got we, you know, we sign this, uh, you know." And of course, you know, he he stopped and did. Uh, but it it's you know that that moment there, right? Up to that kid, uh, you mean everything in the world at that point. And I think a lot of people forget that when they get a little older. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know there is there is always somebody there's always somebody that's that's watching um a guy used to uh, a guy I worked a lot of disaster stuff with used to always say you never know who you're inspiring um and you don't uh, because you don't always know who's who's watching mm-hmm. uh, i didn't know who all i'd inspired in in disc golf uh, outside of the people who reached out and said I did. It's uh, crazy how that, how that works. Yeah. I mean, I also inspired people to reach out to me and say, you know, I'm like the worst person on the face of the earth. Um, 
you know, I've definitely gotten some, you know, some, some people I'm like, I can't, I can't believe you just like wrote me this letter. That's like, yeah, that's bold assumption. Of, that's kind of, of, of mean. And you, you like put your name on it, but uh, okay, cool. <laughs> like you, you don't even know me, but you, that's, that's awesome. Right. Yeah. Uh, you know, well, I'm glad that, that me, me playing in this game, yeah, me playing so frisbee much. golf. <laughs> me playing frisbee golf is upsetting you. Yeah. yeah. Uh, um. You know what? I I um. I guess I guess, kind of closing out a uh, couple things. I I watched your TED talk on YouTube, and I think one of the the things that you mentioned was, um, you are in. Maybe I I misinterpreted it, but it sounded like you're kind of life's motto is to, to, to constantly seek out awe and wonder. Is that something that, you know, you still carry with you, you know, for forever? Is that something you just said at the time? Like how, how heavy does that like define your decisions in life? Um, I, I mean, kind of, uh, so the, the Ted talk, despite the fact that I say like, uh, way too many times <laughs> um it yeah it drives me crazy to watch it because uh, i'm like oh dang it oh, you sounded uh, good uh, you sounded pretty uh, good but uh it was so it was a uh there was like a specific uh topic there were three speakers i was one of the three speakers and they gave us a sort of centralized thing that they wanted us to talk about and the theme was control alt delete uh, which used to be how you would restart an old uh, Windows computer. You hit that, and um, that was basically like hitting the reset uh, button. Uh, and they were looking for, uh, you know, a topic that was was on that. I was pretty much free to talk about whatever I wanted. Uh, They're like, we want you to be a speaker. Here's the sort of thing I gave. Uh, uh, presentation they said yay we like that you can do that one again um, but I would say that it's more of a trying to you know the pursuit of happiness maybe of the the cliche of, of trying to be happy um, mm -hmm. but also knowing that sometimes, you know, one of the things I like to, can I swear? Is that okay on this thing? Oh yeah, you can. I've sworn yet, but. Please. Okay, good. We're not, <laughs> we're not, okay, good. We're not censored. Um, no. But so, um, in times of like when you're in the shit, right, mm -hmm. of whatever it is at that point in time, it could literally be that you're just, you know, you're standing in two foot pile of shit. Mm -hmm. uh, at that mm -hmm. moment, things are terrible, right? Uh, of course. Uh, <laughs> that is where you currently find yourself, of in the shit. Mm -hmm. uh, but you can let that bring you down, which is the easy way. Uh, that's probably typical, normal, uh, you know, shit. Uh, or you can you know, look back at that later of how awesome, you know, like, oh, I made it through this. Uh, and thinking about that in that moment sometime of, look, right now I know, like, I, I've tried to say it before to some people, 
uh, like the 24 hour tough mudder. That, I mean, sometimes you are literally in, you know, in big shit. muddy thing of shit. Uh, <laughs> and it's like, look, I know we are in the shit right now. Uh, we're close to being out of this. And then when we are, we're going to be able to look back at this. Mm-hmm. Right? Be like, yeah, I made it through that. This is, this was an experience I had. Uh, and it may be good or it may be bad. Uh, now you can focus on all the bad stuff, uh, but you know, even in bad, there is good, right? If you can oh, yeah. learn stuff uh, from the bad, uh, and I mean, I wouldn't change. I, I definitely wouldn't change going out and playing. I'd love to be able to have played better over the past two years you know on on tour um but you know i've also definitely learned a lot uh, and i've i've met people and probably helped people in ways that i don't even know because of what whatever was happening to me at the time yeah uh, um so i like to try to remember that it doesn't, you know, if I'm, if I'm only inspiring one person, uh, isn't, isn't that enough? Like, yeah. do I have to be, you know, does it have to be 20 people, 30 people? Uh, and thinking about it from like a, you know, an, an acting or like a band performing, like, you know, if one person came to see me perform, am I going to be like, oh, I'm not going to do anything for this person? Or am I going to do my best for that individual? That's what I'm going to try to do, because you know they they wanted to see they wanted to see me. Right? You know, they went out of their way for that. And sometimes even terrible people are find inspiration in. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I've gotten you know like I said I've gotten messages from that too, and those were probably the ones you know to help help keep me around. Uh, you know, I played the one tournament right after Worlds this year, after I'd lost, you know, all my discs on my yeah. way back home. Yeah, I was like, oh, there's, there's this tournament on the way home and driving right by it. It's where the 2009 World Championships were. I'll stop and play. Uh, and then I lost, like, my last, you know, like, driver that I even had in my bag there. And, <laughs> I was like, uh, I, mean, I guess I'm just going to play with the putter or something. I don't even know what to do now. Uh, uh, and so I was like, uh, I don't even know if I should continue to, to play. And like a month later, it was the Lloyd Weimer rule. Uh, kick him off the tour, Doug. Yeah. That's like my favorite Happy Gilmore thing. He's uh, <laughs> Kick him off the uh, tour. I know. I know. I really wish somebody out yeah. there would, would like <laughs> play like a Shooter McGavin for me and be like, he's killing disc golf and he's killing it. <laughs> oh, uh, man. But, but, you know, trying to bring in those new youthful sponsors uh, yeah. and spectators that, that aren't out there. Uh, and, and I think it's the way the game is going, to be mm-hmm. honest. Uh, like, I don't think the game is going to be played with, hey, there's nobody, you know, get out of my line of sight over there. Uh, yeah. You know, tell the crowd to be quiet. Uh, I I think the evolution of disc golf will be, you're going to have to be able to throw in that basket 
when there's 300 people around it, like 20 yeah. feet away. They're still, uh, they still haven't figured out how to handle that. Like the courses, so many courses can't handle that many spectators. And now like yeah. the biggest events are getting like, you know, thousands of people. Like I, I went to Finland for the European open and there were 3,500 spectators following one card. Yeah. <laughs> it was like, like, absolute it, madness. Yeah. I mean, you can't even really like, like have that part, but you're not going to be able to get away with being like, can, can you move these people? Right. Of it's, it's going to be like, look, if you want to keep playing at mm-hmm. the level, you're just going to have to be, you're going to have to be able to putt with somebody the circus. There <laughs> cracking open a soda can or something. Yeah. Of it's not going to be, it's not going to be complete, complete silence. Yeah. You know? like- like until we have courses all over the country on like 150 acres of private land where the, you know, whoever it is can design like a perfect spectator experience, which I, and we still don't even know what that is, but yeah. it's gonna, it's gonna be a bit We're we're seeing more private courses pop up, but it's, I agree with you. It's, it's something I've been snapped at by a lot of players that have been playing a while to like, you know, watch where I stand or like stay still uh-huh. and, you know, it's it's whatever. Like right now, you just kind of deal with what they say and try not to, you know, have any bad blood on the course. But I, <laughs> I totally agree with you. It's like, well, if you're on the league card, like you're gonna have people right behind the basket. Like you might not even be able to see the chains. Like the first time I played for a gallery, it was it wasn't even a big gallery. But the fact was, like, I had to walk up to the basket to even like see the chains because there were so many people, you know, behind it. It was very, very bizarre experience, but. But yeah, um, so I, I just I just wanted to thank you for even being on the show, man. I, I, I'm happy that I got to hear your story. Um, and I actually like I, I feel like there's a lot more in you that I, I don't feel like we got out there. Um, but I guess my question for you, um, as I kind of wind this down, um, for anybody out there, you know, say there's a young kid who's decent disc golfer and we're just going to tie this into disc golf because this is a disc golf podcast uh what would you say to the kid who is afraid you know of being what am i trying to say here oh here we go we have this young kid and looking for sponsors right the kid the kid wants to play disc golf and their main goal is to get sponsored um what is your what is your uh closing advice to that that human the closing advice um maybe to all listeners well yeah maybe to all listeners of sure of of not you know not limit yourself of i think one of the big things that i've seen at least in disc golf is who are the disc golf sponsors people who make disc golf discs right uh there's not I mean, when I was walking out on the course, of my sponsors have nothing at all to to do with with disc golf, um, and you know those are the people that I would say to approach uh, if you're trying to get something, because to get like dynamic discs or you know to get any of the disc makers to back you. It's not going to be easy, right? Uh, you're going to have to come out uh, 
and and do really really well but you don't have to necessarily be the you know the the pro the professional the touring professional to get some sponsorship uh and even if it's something small like the entry fee into the local tournament uh you know there's there's small businesses that sponsor a softball team out there there's nothing saying that you know somebody can't also be that sponsor for the disc golfer yeah uh, and and that will be the big that will be the big change that's how you can go out and and play with a lot less worry so yeah. like my sponsors didn't care how i finished right there was no well you have to finish in the top 10 of or you know if you come last in that next tournament man we're you know we're gonna drop we're dropping you off of but <laughs> you're cut it wasn't again it wasn't being sponsored by a disc golf disc maker right if they don't you know, I mean, in the theory, you want the best players really only playing with your disc because the idea would be that, oh, well, you have the best disc, right? Uh, uh, this is the disc that will get you the ace every time. Uh, that perfect disc, right, that everybody's always looking for. Um, and it's it's hard to get the sponsorship from the disc, the disc companies unless you go out and you know, eagle every hole at the tournament, uh, <laughs> right? Which, which I think somebody did. <laughs> which I think somebody right. did. Uh, um, so, like, and then you get a good sponsorship deal for doing that. Of course, uh, but, I would hope so. But uh, you know, you can. There, are, there are other, there are other venues besides just relying on that 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 small group. Mm -hmm. uh, you know that, and gotcha. that was the same thing. You know, that's why I compared myself a lot with NASCAR earlier, right? Of I have, you know, I had a jersey that, that was made because you have to wear your nice little polo shirt, right, when you're out there. Of, and, and mine's got my name on it, and it's got my sponsors. Of, and it looks a lot different from everybody else's because, you know, most of the, you know, really we talk about a lot of the professionals. What are they doing? They're just wearing, like, a, an athletic-type shirt that has whatever their disc company is on it right of that that one name rather than uh you know you can have i mean you can have a little bit more to you um i yeah. suppose now the pga might you know might be upset of but you know my my bag um i actually have a, a reebok bag um is what i keep all my discs in it's got velcro on it and you know, I'd have different patches that I'd put on based upon, you know, the tournament I was I was playing. And it'd always have my name and it'd always have the, mm -hmm. you know, the PDGA tour patch on it. You know, be sponsoring the, the PDGA. Um, and then also with that, though, is that something that people see when I'm traveling? Right. Mm -hmm. uh, there's a reason why uh, uh, Paige and Grady... Uh, have a big like world champion thing painted on their van, right? Uh, it's 
because you kind of want, I mean, you want to have people kind of know it and you can see it. Uh, and when it's got a big disc name after it, of that's, you know, I mean, that's really what the sponsors want is a lot mm-hmm. of people to, to see, you know, to, to see it out there. Um, so I would say not to limit yeah. uh, of oneself because it's, there's just not, there's just not the market for them. And I think once that starts to happen, I think that drastically changes, uh, changes disc golf. Uh, and I don't think we're that far away from, from seeing it, especially now that there's college teams. So the only tournament I've played in this year thus far uh, was the, um, the Gamecock Invitational for the South Carolina uh, uh, I believe all the proceeds from that actually went to the, you know, the college team. Um, you know, Sweet. so they're trying to to raise up some funds themselves. But when you start talking about having college teams touring, you know, around to play, I mean, that's a big, that's a big thing. And yeah, it's really and the same thing watch. for them of of how are they going to get sponsors? Uh, the disc companies can't sponsor every single university. Uh, so exactly, sort of the same way everybody else of of bring it in, and then people you know haven't seen it are are excited, right about the sport. Yeah. And sometimes you see me, uh, you know, miss a two foot putt, and you're like, how the hell did that just happen? <coughs> sometimes you see me make like a hundred foot one, and you know, sometimes you see some dude on the tour make a you know seven hundred foot ace, and you're like, what? <laughs> uh, you know, but but that would also be another thing of just, uh, you know, you're going to get told, you're going to get told no, uh, especially if you're, you're looking for, you know, a sponsor. Sponsor is basically, will you give me money to go, go play? Mm-hmm. Right? Like, mom yeah. and dad, will you give me allowance? You know, what are you going to do with this? I'm going to go play <laughs> a game. Like, okay, you know, but, you know, for a lot of people, though, that is, that is their job. Uh, And if some people could get more of what would be a sponsorship, they could be on tour out there. You know, they're not going to win every tournament, but it's tough to meet people when, you know, they're talking to me and they're like, if I don't cash at this tournament, I don't know, you know, how am I going to pay for I'm not going to be able to pay my bills because yeah. this is my job. Uh, and that's a very tough burden for somebody to have in a mental sport game. Right? Exactly. You, exactly. You have to have, you have to have fun. If you're not having fun while playing, you probably shouldn't be playing. 